everyone, and welcome to the One Mind Meditation Podcast. My name is Morgan Dix, and this is a podcast about meditation, mindfulness, and your health. And today, we're going to talk about a topic near and dear to my heart, relevant probably to just about anyone listening to this podcast, mindful relationships. How do we conduct mindful relationships? So we're going to dive into that topic today. And today, it's going to be a little bit shorter than the interview format. It's just me. It's one of these in-between episodes. And before we dive in, I am delighted to announce that the One Mind Meditation podcast has become part of the Podcastica network. And you can check that out over at podcastica.com. And I will link that up in the show notes. And... As the folks at Podcastica describe it, it is a cornucopia of podcasty goodness. So I encourage you to check it out. They've got some really cool podcasts over there. And in some of the subsequent episodes, I'll be saying a little bit about each one. So Podcastica, check it out. So mindful relationships. Okay, if you're a human being, you know that relationships are hard. They're not easy. We all tend to struggle in some way with our relationships, whether it's our parents, our siblings, our friends, and probably for most of us, one of the most challenging relationships is our close partner. If you're married or if you're cohabitating, those relationships can really be the most challenging. Things happen. There's friction. There's a blow up between you and your partner, you and your friend, you and your kid. How do you deal with that? How do you resolve the challenging flashpoints that emerge in your relationships? That's a perennial question, and it's never not relevant. It's relevant to all of us. And the thing is, mindfulness can help. Meditation and mindfulness can help. And that's certainly what I found and and what I want to talk a little bit more about in this show. But how? How can it help? Well, all right, first, let's back up a little bit. How do we deal with flashpoints in our relationship? Or how do you deal when you find, how how do you deal with situations where you find out that you and your partner have vastly different perspectives on the same event? Both of you care deeply, and it's clear that you see things completely differently, and those ways of seeing apparently don't meet. They don't seem to connect. All of us, we have different ways to respond to this. You can obviously talk about it. You can, you can walk away and let things chill out and then talk about it. You can bury it and you can pretend it didn't happen. And that's not probably the best way to go. Often, at least in my experience, that's going to come up somewhere down the line and bite you or probably more likely through you bite someone else. And if you're like me, if things go south with someone you're close with, it's really, really hard to clear your head. That is sometimes, I find, the very hardest time to clear my mind when I get in an argument with someone or when I'm in a disagreement or if I feel hurt and wounded by something someone said. There's a trigger that has been hit inside of me. 
And then it's like my mind becomes just a one-trick pony. It's just all hyper-focused on that, and the rest of the world falls away. And then you're just spinning. You're spinning around that conflict point, and you maybe you're revisiting it. You're, you're wondering how it could have been different, how you could have said things differently, how the other person could have dealt with it differently. But yeah, it's, it's challenging. And often our minds don't really help us in dealing with that. I mean, one time, I almost, the, the, it got so bad for me when I, I was in college once. I almost died because of this. I, w- I got in a fight with my housemate, and I can't, I was like a young guy, and I was living with two older women, and, and I was just, I probably deserved what I got. I think at a certain point, my roommate chewed me out about something, like just taking for granted X, Y, and Z, and it was probably the fifth time it had happened. But I, at the time, I really didn't have a lot of tools for dealing with it. You know, I just sort of took it and went on my way, but I was spinning and I got on my little motorcycle to go off to university and I was completely lost in my head, replaying the scene that had happened with me and my roommate just again and again and again. And before I knew it, I was in a motorcycle accident and I uh, dislocated my wrist and I had, they had to kind of stitch it together with these metal, metal pins that were sticking out of my arm and it was gross, but I've, I've counted myself lucky. But for me, that was like, so that was over, oh, I don't know, like 25 years ago. But man, it was a lesson. I really learned, okay, this doesn't work to be lost in my head. It doesn't work if I'm hurting or if something's happened to just uh, ruminate on it and to go over it again and again and again. It was a, that was a very, obviously, an explicit example. Obviously, today, 25 years later, from the benefit of life and time, you hopefully develop more experience, you develop more skills in communicating with other human beings and learn how to communicate your needs and also your hurts, your pains, and when things happen. At least for me, I found that's really important to value relationship and to try and keep the channels clear, especially with the people you're most intimate with. And that's what I'm talking about. That's where I feel like mindfulness can help in a major way in this department. And I want to give a few examples of how that's the case. In particular, I want to share one story that happened recently that made me think, oh, this would be cool to talk about on the podcast. Because it was an example in which I found that mindfulness and the training I've had in meditation and mindfulness really helped in the training also that my wife has had. It kind of helped us diffuse a potentially divisive moment between us. So... My wife and I, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know my wife and I are having a kid pretty soon. So our first child is going to be born sometime in April and a little girl, and we're super excited. Naturally, right now, it's the end of February, early March, and we're thinking a lot about, all right, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? We need this. We need that. As those of you who are parents know this better than me, it's like a major life transition to have your first kid and it brings up questions of who's going to deal with what you know questions around money questions about time and 
you know, the division of labor and the, the kind of moral economy of the family. And that's, you know, naturally that's something that we're talking about now. And, you know, this may sound kind of silly, like the genesis for what happened, you know, the argument we had, but basically we were talking about laundry and we live in an apartment complex and, you know, it's a coin up laundry in the basement. So it's always like five quarters to do a lot, to do a load of laundry and then five quarters to do a load of, of uh, one to wash and one to dry. And so we were thinking, all right, everyone says there's just going to be tons more laundry when you have a kid. And then we were thinking about our good friends who live down the street from us and they have a washer and dryer machine in their house. And so this was early in the morning. My wife and I are talking. It's like 6 a.m. and I'm getting ready to go to the gym. And I blurted it out. I was like, hey, maybe we can go like once a week and do a load of laundry at their house. And it was quiet for a second from the bedroom. I was out in the living room and then my wife just kind of listed off a bunch of reasons why that was just basically impossible and wouldn't make sense and da da da. And totally reasonable. But for me in that moment, I felt for whatever reason, it it triggered this experience like I was being shut down and my idea wasn't, you know, it didn't count and it was dumb or something, you know, some variation on that. So I said something out loud, like, come on, don't shut me down. I'm just putting out ideas. And, and, and it probably had a little bit more charge than what I'm conveying to you right now. So then we were both quiet for a little while. I went around and like, you know, made stuff in the kitchen and sort of let the moment diffuse a little bit. But it, it had been a moment of friction and heat, you know, and it, and it was clear we, we both are tend to be pretty sensitive when there's friction and not that friction is bad, but we're both aware of it. And usually when friction comes up in the relationship, we're aware, okay, there's something to talk about here. And of course, like, you know, things just come up. You can't really predict it and you can't control it. Things come up. You find out you have different perspective on things and boom, you know, it hits. And that's what happened here. So what was interesting was that, you know, we both just like paused. And I think you might've heard of that, this idea called the mindful pause where we, you know, we didn't go into anything right away. We just left each other alone for like, I don't know, 15 minutes. And then I went into the bedroom. I sat next to her on the bed and, and we were just kind of looked at each other. And she said something to the extent of, well, we just told each other off, didn't we? And, the, you know, and I laughed and I was like, yeah. And, you know, we proceeded to talk it out. And we talked about how she felt and I talked about how I felt. And she described what the issue was for her and why she felt like, as soon as I said that, she felt kind of backed into the corner. And I, but whereas I felt like I was being shut down. So both sides, legitimate, da, da, da. I don't want to bore you with the details of this. But the interesting thing was like, me and my wife really value, and I think understand that communication, if you don't have it, the relationship breaks down really quickly. So when these things happen, we always take time to talk it through, to just make space for the other person's perspective. 
And often that's one of the most important things is like just making sure we understand where the other person is coming from. And, you know, if I do that for her, she tends to do it for me. And then both of us really fell both of us really feel like we've been heard and, and that we've been seen. And often that's all it takes, to be honest. And, and for us, what happened a couple hours later, we were able to laugh at the whole thing and make fun of each other or make fun of ourselves. And we tend to like name things and give them nicknames because they, they can be funny. Like they're, they're, they're based on reality and they're based on real needs and real sensitivities and real vulnerabilities that we each have. But, you know, we tend to have a good time then making fun of ourselves and each other by like exaggerating those things. And then we'll come up with names for them. And to be honest, it helps us because then we start to see, oh, similar things bother us over time. Similar similar things kind of trigger us emotionally over over time and you can kind of see oh there's a there's a familiar pattern this is obviously something i'm really sensitive to i don't like it and so when that happens then we can just understand that about each other and that just makes a world of difference it helps us understand why did that little explosion happen between us because often when you don't understand those explosions what happens usually you both end up feeling like you're standing on the opposite side of the Grand Canyon and you're shouting at each other to try and get your point across because there's this giant divide and you can't figure out how to bridge that divide because you see things completely differently and you don't understand each other. And that's like the worst thing is like you feel that polarization, you feel that deep separation. And, and when you feel that with someone you're so close to, with someone you're intimate with, it's particularly challenging because you're used to a certain continuity of friendship, a certain continuity of intimacy, a certain continuity of trust and, and a field of relationship. And I think over time, both of us have realized it's that continuity of relationship, even when shit flares, even even when there's like an explosion, you know, maybe yes, we each need a few minutes to just chill. But the what we've both found is like the most important thing is just don't pull out, you know, don't pull out of the relationship. And, and, and obviously it helps. You need both sides to be committed to that. That's really important. But the way mindfulness and meditation has helped us with this is, you know, it certainly helped in those moments to kind of objectify all the different dynamics that happen to kind of see this phenomenon of polarization, how suddenly it seems like you're, you're on different sides of this divide and you feel like you feel a deep sense of separation. You feel the opposite of intimacy and you often then you don't know what to do. And, and it's that feeling of what to do. Both people are just kind of in their own camps, so to speak. And, you know, just even seeing that, that whole principle arise again and again, or that whole experience, and you kind of see, oh, this is like, this is what happens when we disagree. It's like psychologically, emotionally, this is a phenomenon. Boom, you know, it just happens. And, you know, knowing that that is not personal. I mean, it obviously feels deeply personal and in a certain way it really is personal. 
but that it's it's predictable in a certain way. It kind of it takes some of the um, it takes some of the charge out of it, and and then also knowing and trusting that if we just make space for each other, we can meet in the middle. We can find a way to see each other's perspectives. And meditation and mindfulness is all about making space. It's all about pausing. It's all about stopping that relentless drive in your head, that thought stream that never stops, and just beginning to question all of it. And obviously what you do in meditation is you let it go. Meditation is the ongoing repeated act of letting go of everything. You're just letting go again and again and again. And obviously in the process, you discover what lies on the other other side of thought. You discover a part of yourself where there is infinite space, where there is a sense of deep and profound connection with life, with everything around you. Now, that when you when you begin to have that as a reference point in yourself and in life that can it can become super helpful in moments like this because you can just pause and it may not seem like a lot but having that capacity to let go of the compulsive need to just react and respond which is what our minds are always doing is just respond react react that moment of pause even if it's a couple seconds it really can make all the difference for something else to get through. Perspective, a different possibility, space, giving the other person the benefit of the doubt. I mean, that, that's what I've really found it can make all the difference. And then over time, as you practice this together, at least this is what I found in my, in my relationship, is that you build together a kind of knowledge or a sensitivity that is shared to each other. You understand, you just understand each other better, but you understand the, the we space that we inhabit. We begin to understand that much better. We begin to understand the possibilities and the, and the limitations of it. And then, you know, because every we is going to have its own potentials, but also some of its own limitations, naturally just kind of defined by who I am and who you are. And then the we that we create together when we come together that shared sense of being, that's defined by us, but then also it, it has its own life. It's ha- it has its own being. And, and when you're able to nourish it with this kind of conscious communication, when you're able to nourish it with this mindful pause, especially when things are challenging, when you get through it, when you just stay the course and trust, I think because that's a big element in this, is just trusting the process of communication and just trusting life, you find on the other side, when you get there, you have really built something together. And for me, that's one of the most rewarding things in the relationship is like, these flashpoints aren't bad. They usually tend to be moments of real progression in our friendship. And they just build a more solid foundation between us. And that happens invariably. I always have that experience when we get to the other side of of a challenging situation like that. I always feel the fruit of it is deeper trust, deeper friendship, deeper intimacy, more gratitude for the partnership. And yeah, 
So I hope that's helpful. I mean, I I, I just wanted to share this because it was a it just happened the other day and I thought, wow, you know, I want to share that with my audience because I'm sure people can relate to that. All of us can relate to kind of those moments, those flashpoints where you just collide and you're not expecting it. And then like, what do you do? Because if you're like me, it can send you spinning. So it's good to have tools in your toolbox for those moments and you can cultivate those tools through your practice of mindfulness and meditation. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the One Mind Meditation Podcast. And if you are a regular listener on the show and you find these episodes helpful, then why not leave us a star rating and a review over on iTunes? That is so helpful. It's the best way to help other meditators discover our show. You can do that by going to aboutmeditation.com forward slash iTunes. That's aboutmeditation.com forward slash iTunes. And also, if you haven't yet, when you're over there, be sure to pick up our free guided meditations and also our three-part meditation seminar called Meditation for Life. Be sure to pick those up if you enjoyed this episode or if you enjoyed previous episodes of the podcast, you're going to love those. And also, just a quick reminder, we are now part of the Podcastica Podcast Network, and you can check that out over at podcastica.com. So let's end with a quote. And this one is from Oprah Winfrey, who is a longtime practitioner of Transcendental Meditation, and she says, Challenges are gifts that force us to search for a new center of gravity. Don't fight them, just find a different way to stand.